you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks podcast. DJ and Bucky here, both remote. Bucky, I am uh, I am back in my daughter's room, so I've got a nice acoustic setup in here. Uh, where are you at today? <laughs> Just in the bottom of the house, doing the same thing. It's kind of funny, dude. You're always in the back of your daughter's room. Like, what's oh, yeah, no, it's the quietest room? room in the house, man. It's the quietest room in the house. By the way, in your, is, do you have a room where you – look, I didn't play in the NFL. Bucky did, for those that are listening. But uh, Bucky's been with a couple different teams. Do you, do, you go, uh, do you go Bucky Brooks jerseys on the wall and like, you're studying? I haven't been there. I'm trying to imagine what we got going on. No, no, no. I don't, I don't have any of that stuff. I, uh, I have a tough enough stuff trying to keep up with the amount of teams that I have. So I don't have any pictures in the wall of that stuff. Like my office is pretty kind of quiet. Um, no. A couple of random pictures, a couch, a desk. And a big old TV. Nothing. No, nothing, no nothing UNC sexy. stuff on the walls? No, nah, nothing, nothing heavy. Nothing heavy. I got a Gio Bernard <laughs> helmet. But that's about nice. it. Nothing, nothing crazy. I like that. Uh, well, some things to, ta- to tackle today. It's going to be kind of a quick episode. We just want to get a little bonus uh, episode for everybody at home here. Uh, we're going to go through these quarterbacks, these playoff quarterbacks, have fun, draft them, AFC and then NFC, uh, how we would, we would take them off the board here and who we like. Um, I want to do the quarterback situation that's not being talked about, which I want to touch on just a little bit. We'll touch on the draft, and then uh, and then we'll kind of go over our title game predictions for for Clemson, Alabama. But Bucky, let's uh, let's jump in here on the on the AFC. Um, I thought we'd do just kind of ping pong back and forth, uh, and just kind of have a draft. And let's say uh, hmm, I'm trying to think of a nice uh, friendly thing we could do here. We have good soup at NFL Network, so uh, I'm going to say a soup. On uh, if one of us ends up with both quarterbacks that we've drafted in this little draft here in the Super Bowl, uh, you got you got to purchase a soup here for for the other guy. Is that cool? <laughs> okay, I'm fine with that. Stamashek loves the soup. Uh, all right, let's go AFC quarterbacks. So we've got guys that are playing now. We're, not, we're you know got some injuries. So we've got Connor Cook, we've got Brock Osweiler, we've got Matt Moore, Big Ben, Tom Brady, and Alex Smith. I, I think I know where you're going here, but I'm gonna give you the first pick in the AFC quarterback uh, group here. Who do you got? I mean, I'm going to go with the most experienced quarterback there. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. 31 playoff starts. We've seen what he's been able to do. When he either has weapons or not, he's able to get his team to the winner's circle. So I'm going to take Tom Brady. It's an easy choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I can go on and on, but it's no need to dress up his resume. We know what he is. How about how about the good fortune for Tom Brady, by the way, when you look at this list of back, a lot of backup quarterbacks he's got a chance to run into. <laughs> you look at all the quarterbacks in the NFC, which we'll get to, a little different caliber there. Uh, all right, you want Brady, first pick. Again, that's a no-brainer, but I come back with a no-brainer, and that's Big Ben. Uh, you know, he's going to uh, he's gonna have to eventually go on the road up to Foxborough. 
But, you know, Big Ben, been around, a lot of success, big game environments. He plays his best. I, I, it's going to come down to their defense, I think. I, I do believe that the Steelers' offense is going to score on everybody they play against. If this young secondary plays well, I think they've uh, they've got a shot up there in New England. I'm not, not saying I'd pick them, but uh, I think they got a shot. I'll take him with my first pick. Who you got next? Okay, I'm going to go with Alex Smith. I'm going to go with Alex Smith and the Kansas City Chiefs because of all the teams that I think can beat New England, Alex Smith can do it because his supporting cast will allow him to do so. Do so. Uh, Tyreek Hill on the outside is explosive playmaker that can score from anywhere on the field. Travis Kelsey is playing like the best tight end in football. Then on defense, they can hold the score down. And as much as we want to think that it's going to be a shootout in the AFC Championship game, if Kansas City plays them, I think they can hold the score down just enough to give Alex Smith some opportunities to make plays down the field. All right, Bucky. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a surprise. That's a good pick by you. I, I would have gone in the same direction there with Alex Smith. So I've got I've got three to choose from here. I've got more. Osweiler and Cook. Um, I think Moore's probably the most talented, but I already picked Big Ben, so they play each other round one. I could take Moore, guarantees that I get one guy on to the second round of the playoffs. Um, but uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the dice, and I'm going to go with a guy, a much maligned quarterback, Brock Osweiler. Because, Buck, wow. I think he's got a chance with the defense that they have. If they can get cranked up with Romeo Cornell, I think he's got a chance to uh, to advance here. I know he hasn't played well, but this is going to be the this is going to be the Brock Osweiler Disney movie. How he's benched, comes back from the dead, and goes on a postseason run. Uh, you know, you know, DJ. If this was uh, draft day and they had kind of like you know they had the camera in the war room, when you made that pick, you would see like <laughs> all kinds of fist pumps. And people jumping around because our guy is still on the board. So the guy that I'm going to take my next pick is Connor Cook from the Oakland Ooh. Raiders. And Ooh. I know it's going to surprise some people, but I actually think that the Raiders were given a break by fate by having Matt McGloin suffer an injury. I felt like the game was too big for Matt McGloin. I don't think he could have been a guy that led Oakland on the postseason run, but I do believe Connor Cook can do it. And I know he hasn't started a game. He's only the fourth in NFL history to not start a regular season game, but to start in the playoffs. But I like his experience. He was 4-1 in postseason games at Michigan State, won 34 games during his time at Michigan State. And even though he has some accuracy issues, I've always believed that he could be a guy that could be a solid quarterback when surrounded by a stellar supporting cast. He's had a full week of practice. He understands what he has around him in Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, Latavius Murray, some of the other weapons. I believe Connor Cook gets the win this week, and I think he has a pretty good performance. I'm willing to bank on him as my next pick. All right, that's I, I, I like that because that leaves me with more. I was thinking about taking more with my last round, uh, so I get him now. So at least I'm guaranteed to get somebody moving on to the next round because I've got more in Big Ben. Um, I think Moore's big, strong kid. He's got a live arm, um, and he's got some weapons too to work with now. When you talk about. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills. They've mm-hmm. got some guys that can push the ball down the field, too. So uh, I'll go him. So to recap, AFC, your lottery tickets are um, – oh, look, you, you're in pretty good shape there with Tom Brady. I'm really good shape. And all, three of my guys, good all three of my guys can win. All three of my guys will play on the second weekend because I have Tom Brady, Alex Smith, and Connor Cook. So I'm good to go. All right. I've got, I've got Ben Moore and Osweiler. The good thing is I've got Big Ben at home and I've got Osweiler at home. So I've got two, uh, two guys with Come on, you can't have a lot of confidence. Like your confidence in the Osweiler pick has to be what? It's not great, Bucky. I'm not lying to you. But I, I do think they're at home and that defense can get after Connor Cook a little bit. I mean, I saw Connor Cook live against Alabama, Bucky. We don't need to get into that. 
Let's go. Uh, let's go. NFC. I get the first pick here, right? Right. Man, this is uh, man, there's some good ones to pick from here. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'll tell you what. You're gonna like this pick for me, first one, because I believe you picked him to lose in the first round, and he's gonna be my first pick. I'm going Aaron Rodgers. Oh wow. Um, I mean, I, I like the pick because I like the player. I mean, the player is playing at an MVP level. He's closing out. I can certainly see you taking a hot hand going with Aaron Rodgers. That offense is, uh, I mean, it's been like a house on fire. I just worry about their inability to run the ball, and can they continue to rely on him to continue to make play after play on scrambles and tosses. I like that you took him, though, because that means my guy's on the board, and the guy that I'm taking with the second pick, you're I'm going with Matt, go Matt Ryan. Ryan. I'm going Matt Ryan. You, were going, you're a Matt, you are a Matt Ryan guy. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And the reason I'm all in is because he should be the MVP. Led the league in passer rate and leads the league in yards, uh, passing yards per game. Uh, he has one of the more prolific offenses in NFL history at his disposal. It was like 32.8 points a game. I know everyone is waiting for the Atlanta Falcons to collapse, but I think this is the year where the Dirty Birds get it done. I think they make a long, extended run in the postseason. Matt Ryan's my guy. All right, you remember Saved by the Bell, Buck? I do vaguely remember Saved by the Bell. You know, that's not really my thing. You know? Oh, come on, man. Lisa Turtle? You don't know? Come on. Uh, <laughs> look, you got to know. You've got to know Zach Morris. The name of his band was the Zach Attack. And I'm going to flip it a little bit. I'm going to go with the Dak Attack here with my second pick. Because he's home. He's got a great running game, underrated defense. Never going to have to go uh, on the road. Never going to have to leave the state of Texas even to go to the Super Bowl. So I'll go ahead and take Dak Prescott with my with my second pick. I'm, I'm loving where I'm at right now with Rodgers and Prescott. I mean, I mean, you're, you're absolutely in a nice position because I think Dallas is positioned nicely. We will see if the pressure gets to Dak and he can continue to play at the level that he's played at. He's played at a historic level. You can say that no rookie quarterback has ever played at that level before. So I like that pick. But I'm going to go with another guy who kind of has similar success to Dak right out the gate. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. Have okay. a lot of confidence in Russell Wilson because we've seen him do it before. Every playoff or every postseason that he's been in, his team has won at least one game. I'm a bank on him being able to continue to continue that streak. They play Detroit, but they play it at their house. He has a connection with Jimmy Graham and Doug Bowen. They find a way to get it done. Russell Wilson is my guy. All right. This is, now this is the toughest decision I've had to make through the whole thing because – I picked Rodgers in my first pick, so if I take Eli, I'm kind of a, you know, look, that's I know I move on out of the first round with those two guys, but um, I feel confident enough in Rodgers winning there. I'm, this is just like a bonus pick for me. I'm going to take uh, Matt Stafford with my next pick to potentially go on the road and beat your Russell Wilson-led Seahawks. So I, I picked I picked Seattle to win that game for our picks, but uh, this gives me just some more. Uh, Give me some more uh, chances to uh, to get all three guys through here. So I'm going to go with Stafford over Eli. You know, Matthew Stafford is one of my favorites. Uh, prior to him hurting his finger, I thought he was playing the best football of anybody at the position. I was talking to him as a guy that should be in consideration for MVP. But they lost three in a row going into the postseason. He hasn't played well since his finger's been banged up. Uh, I'm okay with you taking him. And look, I don't have a lot of confidence in Eli Manning down the stretch. But I was doing some research, and the way that he closed is similar to the way that he closed those three um, years they've had extended runs or the two years they've had Super Bowl-winning runs. And so I'm going to say that Eli can get hot, 
and I believe he has the best offensive player in the NFC in Odell Beckham Jr. If he can just find Odell Beckham Jr. early and often, I think that's enough to get him there. I think they win in Green Bay this weekend, and I think they have the capability of being able to knock off Dallas when they face them again, too. Yeah, they argue that twice. Um, all right, so recap here. Your team, your team of quarterbacks, you've got Tom Brady, Alex Smith, and Cook. And then on the other side, the NFC, you've got Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, and Eli. I've got in the AFC, Big Ben, Osweiler. Oh, man, I'm not loving my AFC. Uh, Big Ben, Osweiler, and more. But then I come back strong in the NFC with Rodgers, Dak, and Stafford. So, we'll, you know, look, we'll see. Maybe one of us gets two guys in the big game here. We'll have to wait and find out. But, uh, uh, man, it sure does seem lopsided, though, NFC versus AFC in terms of the quarterback talent in the postseason, doesn't it? Oh, it, it does seem lopsided. If anybody's smiling, it's Tom Brady because it seems like they kind of have a clear path, at least to the championship game and probably the Super Bowl. Um, when you really think about this, I, I think it's funny with the quarterbacks, we make so much of them, but I only think they're like four or five teams that are really constructed to be Super Bowl winners. And the AFC, I think, is New England, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City. And the NFC, I truly believe Atlanta and Dallas are the teams that are best positioned to win it because they're balanced on offense. They have the ability to run it. They can throw it. They can score points. Defensively, they kind of have those uh, play-with-the-lead defense where they can solve their way with a pass rush and just enough coverage. Those other teams, to me, are a little too one-dimensional. I like Green Bay. I know everyone has said that they're the hot team, but I just don't know if they can sustain it with the guys that they had to play on the perimeter. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like it's gonna the, the NFC is anybody's guess. I think it's wide open in the NFC. Uh, we'll see what happens. All signs do point to the Patriots there in the AFC, uh, with potentially maybe Pittsburgh giving them a good game. And and uh, you know you talk about Kansas City. I think they're equipped with their pass rush um, to get after them. I just can't see. Man, I just can't see them generating enough points offensively to beat them. But uh, well, we'll, we'll find out. I, I want to get to a quarterback situation, Bucky, that has not been talked about at all. It just came up from a conversation I had with a buddy in the league, and he brought this up. And I kind of poo-pooed it initially. And then the more, you know, one of those deals where the more you think about it, you're like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Um, here's a name we don't, you know, we talk about the movement of these quarterbacks. Where's Jay Cutler going to go? What's going to happen with Tony Romo? Where does he go? We've mentioned all these teams that are going to be in the market for quarterbacks, right? But the name that was brought up to me that was kind of the un, the un, uh, unspoken name in terms of this upcoming offseason was Colin Kaepernick. And mm. he brought up a great point. He said, you know what, you know, Kaepernick, all the all the stuff with the taking a knee, um, you know, and it, it's a news story, and it's something we monitor throughout the year, and everybody has their opinion on it. But he said, you know, he didn't play terrible this year. And if you think about it, you know, this is there that he has all that ability. He's young. He has that ability. The same ability that came within a play of winning a Super Bowl is still there. He still has all those tools. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you have to look at what was around him since Jim Harbaugh left. He had Jim Tom Sula, right? That mm-hmm. was a disaster. Um, yep. You look at Chip Kelly, one and done, disaster. The roster, everybody will admit, is terrible. So, did he? Does that old Colin Kaepernick still exist? And if it does, if you could get him on the cheap, and the team that that when I was talking with him, we started you know bouncing around different teams that would make sense. And uh, you know when they were rolling with San Francisco, Bucky, they had what the the number one defense in the league, right? Yeah. You had the number one offensive line in the league, um, and they could run the ball. 
and I started thinking about a team that's maybe not doing well but has the the formula there that could work. What if he went to Chicago where they've invested in the offensive line? You get Kyle Long back. Um, they've got some other good young players in there. Uh, Cody Whitehair played really well this year. You've got a big back who rushed for 1,300 yards and Jordan Howard. You've got some pretty good pieces on defense with a defensive coach. You've got a top-five pick, which you could get a stud to throw in that mix on the defensive side. Uh, man, I, I don't know. I, I actually I kind of like that fit. You know, that it's funny that you say that because that is one thing that has always intrigued Coach Fox. During my time at Carolina, we were always forced to have to play with a guy – play against a guy like Michael Vick down in Atlanta, a guy who was athletic, who could give you problems off the script, who could make plays with his legs, but also had a big arm. And it's going to sound crazy now, but we spent an entire day at one point in draft meetings looking at Matt Jones. You remember Matt Jones came out of Arkansas? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. We looked at Matt Jones for an entire day because Coach Fox was fascinated by having an athletic playmaker at his disposal. It's one of the things that he hasn't had, really with the exception of his time with Tim Tebow. And if you think about the success that they had in Denver with Tim Tebow playing the style that Foxy likes to play, run it more often, throw it on occasion, and really lean on your defense, Kaepernick would give him that um, ability to have that kind of quarterback that can manage the turnovers and play that way. The other thing that I think that will kind of speak volumes about Kaepernick and the way that he, I mean, maybe perceived differently outside the locker room than inside, the fact that he walked away with, an honor from the San Francisco 49ers in terms of like leadership and teammate and teammate of the year. I think it says a lot about how he was perceived by that team. I think when people do their due diligence and they look, he may be a viable option, as you say, at the right dollar amount, because he does bring kind of a bridge quarterback to a situation where you can look for a young guy to develop while he is kind of serving as your starter and you still can win games with him. Yeah. So, I mean, look, this is, I haven't seen you. I don't see anything on him. No, nobody talks about where he's going to go or what's going to happen with him. And I haven't heard anybody throw out throw out specific team. I just when you're going through the list of teams, and it's like, man, that, that actually I think that could work down there. And your your background and, and your history with Fox, um, oh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I think it is pretty interesting. I think there are a couple quarterbacks. Um, they kind of. I think Tyrod Taylor is another guy that could kind of fit in that in that mold because Tyrod. Like whether you love him or not as a franchise quarterback, when you look at the numbers and look at when he's able to kind of play with the comfort of a, a, a top-rated running game, and if he plays with a solid defense, he's certainly good enough to win games. Um, I, I just believe, especially when people are looking at this quarterback class and looking at how they could possibly struggle when they come out, I think more are going to look for those short-term solutions to be able to win games with the quarterback, knowing that he's not going to be the long-term answer at the position. Yeah, no question. Uh, a couple more things I want to get to before we got to run here. Um, man, I've been just plowing through this tape right now, uh, all these college kids, more and more underclassmen declaring on a daily basis. And it's kind of crazy. Hey, what, it's kind of crazy. How many guys are coming It's out. unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, I don't know where the number's going to end up, but it seemed, it sure feels like there's uh, – well, on record pace here with all these guys coming out. But, man, I'll tell you, this last year, remember how loaded we were with defensive tackles? I and mean, it was one of the best defensive tackle mm-hmm. groups we've seen in a long time. There's a million of them. This year, edge rushers, defensive linemen as a whole, secondary. Um, I mean, Bucky, this is a loaded group. I mean, it's absolutely loaded if you want to build defense. And you always see the pendulum swing 
um, how teams go from being offensive-centric to defensive-centric. This is a draft where you certainly can build up your defense. We talked about the new way of playing defense is to invest in your pass rushers and to make sure that you have a solid secondary. I believe, we've talked about it, you need to have three guys that can rush off the edges because you want to be able to rotate. You also want to be able to get into that ND or NASCAR package where you have three pass rushers and a solid inside guy. You want to have cover guys that are long, um, that can put their hands on guys at the line of scrimmage, but also make plays on the ball. And so as you talk about edge rushers, I wrote about it in our move to six notebook. I am impressed with the corners and the amount of big corners that potentially are in this class. Guys that are six foot or taller, guys that can play, um, Zoning, man, I think this is a draft where a lot of people will say, like, if I'm questionable, if I have concerns at the top of the board about some of those other offensive positions, I'm going to focus on building my defense, and I'll address those offensive positions on day three potential. Yeah, this is a safety group that is loaded. We've talked much about the running backs on the offensive side of the ball, tight ends as well. But, uh, yeah, the entire secondary is great. This is the best crop of safeties I've seen in a long, long time. In fact, you know, I hate, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not into hyperbole. I'm not saying something to try and get attention or to try and make a headline. But Malik Hooker from Ohio State, Bucky, I, I do not exaggerate, has the best ball skills of any safety I've ever evaluated. I mean, it, he, he, he's special. Like, having watched him up close in person at the Fiesta Bowl, and that play that he made in the oh, front freaky. corner of the end zone on Deshaun Washington, a, a fade down, down the rail. Uh, you just don't see guys with that kind of closing quickness, anticipation, and timing. And he's made those plays consistently. I want to say seven or eight interceptions this year. And the thing is, his interceptions are legit interceptions. It's not uh, balls that were thrown directly to him in his shit. Oh, he's, he's ranging off his spot now. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, I, and uh, I was curious about what he did. I watched four games on him, and then I watched all of his production reel from this year, so I saw all of his picks. And, and all of his tackles. And then I went back. I said, you know, I know last year, because they had those other safeties, went on to the NFL, so he wasn't playing much. Uh, let me just sort his tackles and watch his tackles from last year. Well, sure enough, Bucky, I mean, he must have had 10 or 11 tackles on kickoff last year on special teams. Mm-hmm. First one down, making tackle after tackle after tackle. So that, to me, it always you watch these guys on special teams, it speaks to their competitiveness and their toughness, and he had that. So. Man, he's a man. We'll see how high he ends up going, but he's a special, special talent. Oh, he he's he's gonna go really, and I I think, um, I think what it come down to when we're sorting out the safety class, it it comes down to what do you want, what kind of mm-hmm. player are you looking for? Because you talk about uh, Hooker being a guy off the air. We talked about kind of like their Earl Thomas natural center fielder, the guy that can get over the top and make plays and kind of eat waste to deep ball. I see him in that vein. I see a guy like Jamal Adams is more of a Landon Collins type, meaning mm-hmm. he's more of a, a box guy early, a, a strong safety guy, someone you want to put near the box, let him be active against the run. He can make some plays against the pass as a underneath middle player, even a deep middle player on occasion. But they're just different stylistically. But they both bring tremendous value. Um, they both can enhance the defense. The thing that will be interesting is there's been a lot of conversation in the outside world about Jabril Peppers, and a lot of people kind of fast-tracked him as a top-ten guy, but he is a guy to me that can be any and everywhere on draft boards throughout the league because he just has a unique game, and I just need to see what his skill set looks like when we get up close and personal at the combine. Yeah, no, I think he's a, I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a he's a projection and a work in progress, you know, as a safety. So 
Um, and there's, there's just depends on what you look for. You talked about those different types of guys. I mean, another guy, Marcus Williams from, from Utah is a pure free safety, you know, that is just a really, really good football player. I know exactly, I've seen him do it. I know exactly what he is. Whereas with Peppers, got to project a little bit of what he's going to be. All right, we got to get out of here, Bucky, real quick. So let's jump on this national title game. Let's go score and, and winner here, Clemson, Alabama. You know, man, I was all in on, on Clemson uh, winning this game. I think offensively they can challenge Alabama in a number of different ways. I think defensively they have the capability to be able to stuff Alabama's running attack with Bo Scarborough and kind of put the pressure on Jalen Hurd. I'm still leaning towards taking them, but I did see something where Mika Fitzpatrick said that his focus and Alabama's focus this year was on avenging the poor games they played against Clemson last year in the title game, and they want to dominate. It kind of made me nervous and scared a little bit. I'm still going to go But maybe, maybe Alabama reaches back and pull out a vintage uh, performance. We've seen what Nick Saban's been able to do when he's had the opportunity to face mobile quarterbacks the second go-around. Maybe this is a really tight game, but I just still think that Deshaun Watson is the guy that can get it done. All right, give me a score. Throw a score out there. Oof. Um, normally I would like to go high scoring. Let's go 28-24 Clemson. Clemson wins on the last second drive. 28-24 Clemson. Okay, I, I like that. I like that score. I'm thinking definitely lower scoring than last year. I'm with you on the Alabama pride thing uh, being a factor here. I think you also have to remember last year, Kirby Smart running that defense had already taken the Georgia job. So maybe that was a little bit of a distraction. Maybe that went a little bit into uh, Lane Kiffin no longer being there for this game. Um, I, I, I just think when I look at this Alabama defense as complete as they are, um, I think they're faster than they were last year defensively. I think they will come in there and they will eliminate Deshaun Watson as a runner. That'll be their focus. They'll take that away. You know, Deshaun Watson is as great as he played against them last year. I was there. It was phenomenal. I, I don't think he can play a clean game against this defense. I, he turns it over a couple times. I don't think they score as many points as people think the more I've looked at this game. I, I'm going to go Alabama wins this game, Bucky, 24 to 13. Ooh. Man, they're going to shut They're going to throttle them on. I don't know if Clemson has been. So that's why, that's why I'm like that. Hey, look, in it's, years. It's a whole different ball game from last year. And this team and this defense, which, uh, which has a lot of talent and a lot of pride, was embarrassed even in a win last year. And I think they, I think they get after him a little bit in this one. I mean, you got to remember, I know it was early in the season, was it the, the first week? That Clemson, mm-hmm. that Clemson offense went up against Auburn and, and couldn't really get rolling. I know that obviously they're humming now. It's a totally different football team. But I think some of those issues that showed up against that Auburn front are going to show mm-hmm. up in, in, in a big way in this one against a front that's much, much better. I mean, I, absolutely, I, mean, I, I can see that because there, there's scenarios that I played in my head where I can see where well, you talked about Alabama kind of playing like a two-man defense, two high safeties, man-to-man underneath. The best things that Deshaun Watson have thrown thus far have been quicks and seam routes. And yep. two-man takes That's all where that, it eliminates all those layups, and it forces them to push the ball down the field in the tight windows. And we've seen them struggle a little bit with turnovers. It'll be interesting to see what Clemson comes up with to counter what Alabama does from a schematic standpoint in this game. I think the, I think the two key players in this game for Clemson, um, you look at Renfro in the slot and you look at Leggett at tight end. Because if Alabama can live in that too high safety look, they're going to have to they're going to have to get down the middle, and he's going to have to make some throws in there. Uh, I just I think the outside is going to be tough because you're going to have to get over the top of, of, of corners playing trail technique, and you're going to have safety t- help over the top. So pushing the ball vertically on the outside, I think, is going to be difficult, even even with a stud like Mike Williams. 
Um, I think they're going to have to get. I think they're going to have to get in the middle of the field and try and split these safeties, and those are not easy throws. No, they're not easy throws at all. I mean, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Yeah. So, well, anyway, we'll see. See what happens there. It's all on the line, Bucky. It's our battle for last place in our picks. I just went. Matter. You went Clemson. I went Alabama. So this is. I'm nervous. I finally fought my way out of last place, and I could just end up right back where I was a week ago. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Terrible. It will be terrible. Must see TV. I can't wait to see what happens. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll recap what uh, what took place in the playoff weekend. We'll recap the national championship game. I believe we're back in the studio, both of us, next Tuesday. So uh, this is a little bonus episode. I want to get this out to you guys. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you downloading the podcast. Appreciate you subscribing to the podcast. And be sure to check out all of our videos, our playoff previews. All that good stuff, you can find it on YouTube. Just type in Move the Six on YouTube. You can find our playlist with all of our videos there for you guys to check out. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.